Psalms 4610, be still and know that I am God. So anytime I feel frazzled, I just be still and then I just I just figure let it figure itself out. Two, one, action. Yes, sir. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Millionaire Mansion Podcast. My name is James Hodgkin. I'm the owner of the Millionaire Mac Club, and we believe millionaire is defined by mindset, not monetary status. And we got another Millionaire Mac talk today. I got a very special guest. I got Ron Coleman. You know, I was scrolling through the gram trying to find some great people for y'all. And I stumbled on Ron's IG, saw he was doing some real estate. And I was like, man, everybody needs a piece of real estate. So I had to get him on the pod so he can spit some knowledge. Tell us about his journey and all of that. So let's get into it, Ron. How you doing, bro? Let the people know. Yeah, Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. So uh, my name is Ronald Coleman. Uh, I'm 27. Actually, I just turned 27 a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I'm a 27-year-old entrepreneur. A uh, little background about me. I'm from Philadelphia, born and raised. Uh, I went to high school there. Then I went to college, University of Pittsburgh, got my degree in engineering. And then I went to get my master's. Well, I was in a PhD program, but I actually wound up, uh, I don't want to say dropping out, but I basically mastered out. Got my master's in engineering, then a master's in accounting. Uh, and that's pretty much how my entrepreneurial journey started um, because I was in a PhD program when I started my business Um, and it wasn't until uh, I was in my business and I was realizing how much money I was making and how much more I enjoyed what I was doing in my business versus what I was doing in school. Uh Uh, When I decided that I didn't no longer wanted to get my PhD, I felt like it was useless. You got got two masters? Yeah. God dang. How much school did you do? How many years of college? Eight. Yeah, Yeah, because I did five years in undergrad and then I did three in grad school. But I wouldn't have done that many if I would have never been in a Ph.D. program. Right. Right. How long was the Ph.D. program supposed to be? I would have had like two or three more years. Two or three. Yeah. Wait. So if you so if you did the Ph.D. program, you would have been a doctor in what? Probably. Oh, engineer. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. So, okay. So you started the company while you're in your master's program. And which company PhD. was that? I started I started my company while I was in my PhD program. Oh, but, the, oh so you're crazy. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Tell us yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, it's right here. It's MWMT or My Work, My Time. Uh, I actually started off as an accounting firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty much what I do. I do virtual tax service, accounting, bookkeeping. Uh, and then I added life insurance uh, and health insurance to my platform mm. just because I felt like, you know, it was something that was really ne- necessary in our community that's not necessarily talked about. Um, and when I found out how wealth was really being passed down, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of like a no brainer to start to branch off into the insurance industry. Um, so that's kind of how I got into my entrepreneurial journey. But that was more so like work. Right. I was just like working for myself. So I considered that kind of like self-employed. Right. It wasn't until I got into real estate, but I was always working towards real estate, right? Uh, even when I was still in my PhD or in undergrad, the goal was always to own rental property. I, my my goal was always I wanted to have rental property and I wanted to own a big house. I wanted to design it myself. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I just felt like I had to work hard and long to save money in order to get my first rental property to then go ahead and get more. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I actually went to, you know, a close friend of mine uh, and also, you know, kind of like a mentor to me, mm-hmm. uh, his his mentorship in last December, uh, where he pretty much taught me about how you can use credit and business credit in order to go ahead and pretty much ex- pretty much expedite your success and use that to go ahead and get assets such as properties or Toro cars or Airbnbs or anything like that. So once I learned that, I always had good credit. Right. I was just using my credit the wrong way. I was using my credit for things that I wanted, you know what I mean, yeah. that I, didn't ne- I couldn't necessarily get right away. So when I was in my apartment and my PhD program and I needed a couch, I just financed my couch. I had good credit. I could do stuff like that, you know what I mean? So it was things like that. Granted, financing your couch is not necessarily the, the worst idea, right. um, but I was just using it for the wrong reasons, right? So I could have probably been a lot a lot farther in life if I would have known about credit earlier right. and I would have a lot stronger credit profile if I knew about right. it. So so I know I know for some people credit can be a super scary thing. And I know obviously it's not your expertise, but you have some experience with uh one using your credit for once and then using your credit to build your asset portfolio. So when you first learned uh, the real wealth building generation of like using using your credit to get you asset asset uh, different assets, was that jump scary? Was it scary to kind of take that gamble per se? Nah, to me, no. I mean, I've always been a risk taker, right? And I've always been the person in my family I felt like that had to do what no one else was doing. Uh, because everybody else, I feel like, and I don't want to be mean, but I just feel like everyone plays, not necessarily plays by the rules, but everybody plays in bounds, right? right? Everybody plays in bounds to the point where it's like, if anything sounds without it being illegal, I have family members that do illegal things, but I mean, like if they're a legal person, they always stay in bounds. They never go against things that are just the norm or the tradition uh, so for me, it wasn't really a risk because I, I didn't want to be where I where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be in the same position. I wanted to change where I was going anyway. Right. Um, and my thing is. I was going to get a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. Nobody in my immediate family was doing that. You know right. what I'm saying? I, I went to college straight out of high school and for engineering. Nobody in my family was doing that. Right. You know I'm saying? So I'm the first of my generation on both sides. So it was me. I am the I was always had to be the risk taker or the one that shows my family what it was. It it helps that my one of my you know what I'm saying closest friends and mentor, he show he basically was doing what he was saying. You know what I'm saying? So when he was telling me, it wasn't like he was just telling me and he didn't have any proof. I seen what he was doing, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I well, I didn't know what it was and I didn't know to what extent it was until I came home on Christmas break because obviously you always come home for breaks and things like that. So I, I we you know when you go to college you kind of separate from your friends a lot so you don't really see like what's going on in and out. We would talk all the time, but I didn't really know the ins and outs of what was really going on. Yeah, yeah. And when I finally and then another thing too, part of that part of that disconnect was because he was building a good presence on social media at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was doing everything through kind of social media. So I didn't, not only that was I not talking to him, but I deleted my Instagram. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. for I deleted like not deactivated. I deleted it. Right. And I was off of Instagram for a year. So when he was building for that year, I didn't know what was really going on. So it's not like I could be educated on it. We didn't really talk about it. And I felt like until he learned, you know, really that credit space, he couldn't really tell me that. So I was still under the impression of like, I got to, this is the way I know. This is basically the way I know how to get my money and work. And this is my plan. So I was planning to not get my first rental property until I'm 27. I didn't think I was going to get my first rental property until 30, 31. For real. You know what I mean? So now I got two or I, I, I sh- I'm on a partnership with one and I own another one and I'm right. looking to get another one. Um, so you're so, four years ahead of plan. Yeah, yeah, four years, four years ahead of plan, but I still feel four years behind. Feel, um, yeah, just yeah. because you know, technically, this would have been my fourth year in grad school, so I, I like I should have never went. Right, that was what I was about to ask you. Do you think if you were exposed to these tools earlier, do you think you would have ended up going to college? I probably would have went to undergrad, but I wouldn't have went to grad school. Mm. And the only reason. But I would have I would have did it differently. Like I would have did college differently. Right. The only reason I would go to college is networking and experience because I feel like college is important to help you grow. Right. I I recommend that everyone goes to college. If you're going to go to college, I feel like you have to go at least three hours away Mm -hmm. from home. And the reason I say that is because that three hours can take a toll on you if you're trying to do it every weekend. Right. Right. So you got to go far enough away for where you really have to learn yourself and change and grow and meet new people. And, you know, Pennsylvania, I'm from Pennsylvania. So like I'm from Philly. So it's a lot of state schools, but those state schools are a lot of Philly people. Right. I don't, right. Want, don't go to a state school. You need to go to a school like that is not filled with people where you're from. It's filled with people from all walks of life. You know, I went to school, people from Nigeria, people from Ghana, people from DC, people from North Carolina, people from California. You know what I'm saying? Then I went to school near one of the, toughest schools in the country, Carnegie Mellon, that was down the street for me. So it was just a different type of breed of right. networking. You understand? I was exposed right. to different things. And then also, man, you know, to be honest, I dated. Like, I dated a lot. I always, you know, always was cool with women. You know what I'm saying? So right. I dated a lot. and I, But through that, I was able to be exposed to different things, too. Mm. Right? I want to, somebody I dated, her, both her parents were surgeons. Mm. That's a different type of exposure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you like you as you go to those spaces, you just meet different types of people. And a lot of things about yourself change the way you review the way you view the world changes. Right. right? So me being exposed to that, me being exposed to some so a, a couple that that was immigrants or that was poor. And then they lived in a three million dollar mansion from the and they got it from the mud. You know how much you know how much that made me like want to go harder. Mm-hmm. You, know, you feel me? Because I was exposed yeah. to that. Yeah, so because I was exposed to it and I seen that it was possible. It's like, oh, that was when I was on my I'm going to go get my PhD. I'm going to work. I'm going to grind it out for these 10 years and I'm going to be cool. Right. You, you feel me? I but then that. when I got into my PhD program, oftentimes, you know, people pay for grad school. Mm-hmm. Right. I was my grad school was paying me. Mm. So I was on a salary, but my salary was terrible. I was getting twenty five thousand a year. If you do the math, it's like a little over two grand a month. But depending on how they break it up, sometimes it doesn't necessarily come out to that because they'll give you a lump sum. They'll give you three lump sums of money, one in the fall, one in the spring and then one in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they'll also pay you biweekly. So they pay you like like 14,000 up, like basically over the three terms. 
uh-huh. and then they'll pay you bi-weekly. But bi-weekly, I was only getting $500. Mm. So I would take my lump sum of money and I would pay up as much as rent I could. And then I would be living off the $500 every two weeks. But $500 every two weeks in Massachusetts is terrible. You can't live off of that. So you can imagine that frustration, right? So I obviously I worked on the side and then uh, then I became where were like, you working at? I was working at, where did I work at first? I was working in a liquor store. Oh, okay, okay. I worked in a liquor store. And then the next year I became like the graduate advisor of Nesby, which is like National Society of Black Engineers. So I was getting paid for that. So that kind of helped me out. So instead of getting $500 every two weeks, I was getting basically $1,000 every two weeks. So that really helped me out. Uh, It really gave me that kind of a little bit more cushion on top of working. But with all of that, my time was short. Right. I was expected to go to school. I was expected to be the graduate advisor for Nesby. I was expected to work and I was expected to do research. Mm-hmm. Mind you, the school only pays you for 10 or 20 hours a week. Or Tay was paying me technically for 10 hours a week, but they was expecting me to do research for 40 hours, go to class. Oh, I forgot about classes. So I, I did research. I thought I'd do research for 40 hours. I had classes. I worked for, for 20 hours a week and I had graduate advisor in Nesby for at least five hours a week on top of still living my life. You know what I'm saying? Right, so it was right. like, yeah, I was just fed up with it. You know what I'm saying? I was I was tired of it. I felt like it couldn't be life. I was over it. You know, it was a lot of times where I decided I didn't want to go to class. Like, I didn't want to go to class. I didn't want to go to the lab. Mm-hmm. And I it showed in my performance. Like, that was the one time in my, I can't say the one time, but that was a time in my academic career where you could see that I wasn't happy mm-hmm. because I wasn't performing. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing or what they said I should have been doing. Right. So, you know so I mean? in the time that you weren't going to class, were you doing anything productive or were you just like figuring out what you were trying to do? No, I was working. Oh. So it was like, I was, I was taking so much time. I was so focused on trying to survive and live right. that I was, I wasn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't focused on things that I felt like wasn't paying me. Right. right? I feel like you get to a certain point in school where if things aren't paying you directly, you're like, I'm not doing that. Exactly. You know I mean, even right now, I, I'm in a class right now. I'm taking a class right now for health insurance reasons. Uh-huh. And th- because it doesn't pay me, I don't focus on it. You understand what I'm saying? Right. I run a business. So I focus on my clients and I focus on my properties. Right. My school comes last because my school's not paying me. Right. right. At the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? You call it a spade a spade. It, yeah, technically, I probably wasted $1,400. But it's like $1,400 saved me a lot more money in health insurance. Mm. But in terms of my focus, my focus isn't there because I'm so focused on everything else. Because right. that's what's making me live and survive each day and each and every day. So it was like. Yeah, no, bro. I feel that because honestly, I'm kind of in a position like that right now because I'm still in college and I'm playing hoop, doing school. Uh, and I'll work on and off whenever they need me around the school. But like I'm building my brand, building my company. And I'll just have a hard time getting myself to lock in and do some algebra two when I know I could be recording a pod, editing a pod, networking. I could be uh, reaching out to different clients. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, this algebra two is not going to be paying me, but I still I still have my name on my schooling. So I'm like, ah, I got to do. Yeah. But you know what you you know what you got to do and like. I don't know if I don't really know how podcasts work, so I don't know how money comes in through those. But 
the best thing you could do and like i started i started this and then i but then my performance from them were bad so then i stopped mm-hmm. and it kind of put me at a halt to be honest and i like and then i got so caught up with investments that my money is strapped so i was like ah but honestly the best advice i can give you man is hire some help yeah like bro. that's, what I've been that's like. all you can do Go get you a virtual assistant from the Philippines or get you somebody from Fiverr that can edit those pods and do all that stuff that you don't necessarily need to do yourself. Mm -hmm. Because the only thing that you should focus on in the business is building it, which is you hosting the podcast and advertising the business. Everything else should be done by somebody else. It's easier said than done, obviously. But I'm telling you, your success will probably be a lot better if you just budget now to pay somebody else to do that because now it'll it'll just help it'll take so much time off of you and then you can still focus on school facts bro i've been i've been actually really 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 contemplating that because yeah i've gotten to the point where okay i've i've expanded where it's getting to a point where it's overflowing my work is overflowing like i've i've outgrown the jobs that i'm doing i've learned everything I've learned these low level skills. Now it's time to start learning high level skills so I can upgrade and uh, start performing, really build, build the company to a six figure company, seven figure company, eight figure company. So my question for you is when, so you were doing your undergrad, you had that scholar program, you had the, the studying, the labs, all that. When did you, so you said you started your company in the PhD program. So that's yeah. like six years into college, five years into college. No, seven. Seven years. So, all right, tell tell me about that. Tell me about the the year so, that you launched it and all that good stuff. So, interestingly enough, you know, I actually started. I'm, I started my company before I even started my company. So, I, now let me think about it. So, I actually started as a t-shirt company. Mm. I, it was a joke. I seen a I seen a meme, and it was a uh, it was whatever Jaden Smith's like anime character, and he was holding a sign at the bus stop, mm-hmm. and I had some and somebody edited it and put like I need some neck on the on the sign. <laughs> so I'm I'm a I'm a pretty like vo- I I say things or right? I'm a yeah. vulgar guy in, in right. some ways. So I felt I felt it was funny. I was like I'm gonna sell this shirt, right, and. Be, I just jokingly was like, I'm going to sell this shirt. And then that's what I did. I just like built my whole, I like came up with my name, kind of came up with a logo that, that I don't like it now. But, you know, I came up with some logo. I was throwing some stuff together, had a little website. And, you know, that was like, I came up with my work, my time, and I was trying to sell this shirt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it failed. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, it was back to a regular schedule program with school. And then, like I said, I went to, you know, my friend's event. I learned about credit. And I learned about how I could really, you know, scale the business or, you know, get that original capital to go ahead and do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. So I started that technically, technically I started last December. Mm-hmm. So it's almost a year on December 5th. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's going to be a year soon. So mind you, I did a lot in a year. Right. So within hey, a year, like three, four, five years into this. I'm only a year in. So like within a year, I started my business. I had, you know, I, st- I started off doing slight, you know, like I literally went through like a whole life cycle of a business kind of fast. Mm-hmm. 
So I started off, I was undercharging, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I didn't recognize my real overhead expenses. Then when I finally got it together, COVID actually helped me out because the IRS pushed back when they were started the tax season and then they ended it later. So it kind of helped me get through all the mistakes. Like, like I learned that I needed a certain number. It's called an EFIN. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my EFIN. So I was asking somebody else to use their EFIN first. And as soon I was, as soon as I was getting ready to go use theirs, mine came in. Mm-hmm. Mind you, we was in the middle of tax season. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, everybody wasn't getting their W-2s and all that. So it was, I just, I just honestly got blessed. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. The way that it all worked out. And then, you know, I went from making, mind you, this is real numbers. Like I went from making 2000 a month or like, it was like probably, it was probably like two, like, after, yeah, it was probably like after, after taxes, I probably was making like 20, $2,800 a month between this, the tax part of your business. No, this is like, I'm talking about from, from the school. I was making like 22, oh, I was making like a little under 2000 from the school. And then I were, I worked, remember? So I was, right, right, then I made right. like another $800 or oh, something like that. Okay, so I was okay. making $2,800. And then that first month in business, I made like 4,000. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I had like my school thing. Mm-hmm. That next month I quit school, and that next month I made ten thousand. Mm. Then the next month I made twenty-one thousand. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, time out, time out. So, this is all last year. This is all last year. And this is your first year in the business. This is my first year in business, but mind you, I was I came in as an accountant in tax season, so it was like Ooh. I didn't have you know what I'm saying that was my that was I came in during peak season. Right. Right. So it was kind of like those were real numbers if you do it the right way. You know what I mean? So it was, you was, your clients. I did most of it through through Instagram and word of mouth. Mm. Through Instagram, word of mouth, bro. I just marketed myself, branded myself. You know, I had help. I obviously had friends promote me that right. had platforms and things of that sort. So I can't take all the credit for myself. But I definitely, you know, I just grinded, grinded it up and then. You know, I was then I start investing in myself. I took the money and I invested in myself. When I look back, you know, I don't I don't regret it, but I wish I would have invested in an asset first that would pay me passively and mm-hmm. then invest in myself. But the problem was the things that I invested in, you can't get it again. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can't really be upset because it's like I invested in courses that they, they're never happening again. Right. You know, right. You understand what I'm saying? So it's right. like I can't really be upset. And I learned a lot, you know what I mean? I invested in myself and I, I really did. I invested in myself and I invested in the business. And then kind of once, you know, things kind of died down a little, then I had to pivot, you know what I mean? Not really pivot my, my, what I do is still the same, but you know, tax season is really four, four times, four months out of the year. Right. And then, you know, people sometimes file late, right. but most of the time you're going to make most of your money in those first four months of the year. Right. Right. So, you know, it was kind of an adjustment. And then I started to offer like my bookkeeping thing mm-hmm. and insurance, you know what I mean? Like I said earlier. Um, and then that's when I was heavily like really looking for real estate. You know what I'm saying? I was really looking for asset because I stopped getting checks in May. Mm-hmm. My last check was like May, like May 15th or something like that. Some around there. Mm-hmm. That was my last check. When you're not getting that check no more, things are a little bit different. Right. You know you understand what I'm saying? So, as th- as I stopped getting my last check, then I was heavily looking into like, hey, I need to really find something that's going to pay me because I'm so used to getting paid. 
but I knew I didn't want to go back to giving so much time to everything else because I wasn't able to put it into my business. Was was um, there ever like a sense of panic? Was there ever like a sense of panic when you knew like, oh, that this is my last check. Like I need to I need to get to it. Or was it not just really? Not really. I don't think I panicked enough. Mm. But that's because when I got my last check, I was come. I was having a twenty thousand dollar month. Right. You understand? So it's like my check. My last check was four hundred and eighty seven dollars. Uh-huh. I was making twenty grand in my business at that time. So, so was that your first time making that type of money? First time ever. So, what was that like? What was that like? That was the first time I earned that type of money. It's different when that. Yeah, that's my first time making that kind of money. It's different when you get a refund check for mm-hmm. nine thousand that yeah. going to your account. You feel like you you up, but I really I I don't know, bro. It was it was weird to me. And it was like I never really seen it because I was always invest. I was I was investing back into the brand, mm-hmm. or I was investing back into myself. Mm-hmm. So even though, like, I think the most I seen in my account at the time was only like eighteen thousand mm-hmm. at the time, right. and then it like immediately went down because I had stuff coming out of it. You know what I mean? Right. Um. But it was, you know, it was. It was definitely, it was definitely, you know, I didn't panic enough, I feel like. Right. You know what I mean? But I don't regret it. I, I, I'm happy I did everything I did because everything was a lesson, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously you have a plan and plans change, you know what I mean? Our plans are, don't always go as, as they seem. Um, but, you know, from my plan, I'm not too far off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too far off and, I, you know, I'm still going to keep going. Right. So, all right, you got the got the business jumping and it's almost about to be a year. So you say you got uh, two properties working on a third, right? Trying to get a third. Yeah. What month did you get both of those properties this year in 2021 or 2020? Yeah, both of them. They were I got them two. like I got them a day apart. Hold on. Tell us that story. What's up? Yeah. So, all right. So, so actually, it was it wasn't on purpose though. Like, honestly, I was I was supposed to close on one of them a whole month before I closed on it. Uh But it was just, both of the properties were having problems. Like, I close. I've so it's a thing when you get an agreement of sales. When you get a property, you get an agreement of sales, and in slang terms, we call it locking a deal up. Right. Right. So I locked my my deal by myself up. And like probably the beginning of September and my original close date was September 30th. Mm-hmm. When it got close to September 30th, they found out it was a problem with, it was a problem with the agreement of sales because the, the seller was actually a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. So they technically terminated the con. They basically, uh, they like, they didn't, what do you call it? They broke the contract. You know what I'm saying? Right, they right. they didn't follow the contract. So I could have technically said, I don't want the deal anymore. Mm-hmm. But I did want it. You know what I mean? So right. I was like, no, like, just do what y'all got to do. But that wound up being basically delaying a whole nother month. Mm. They had to pretty much redo everything over. Wait, what was wrong with dude being a wholesaler? Basically, you have, you have to disclose that. So, oh, like, the way, you, the way they prepare the documents is different when you're wholesaling the deal versus if you're not. Right, right. So that's where it was. That's where it was. That's where everything was going on. So I'm assuming the property was like distressed. Yeah, yeah. Both of them were. For the people that aren't listening, like a distressed property, it's like beat up, run down, needs some work. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, okay. So then the month got, or the deal got pushed back a month. Right. So, but mind you that during that, me and my partner and bro and best friend, uh, we were, we decided to go half on another deal. Mm. Like a, a few weeks, a couple weeks, a few weeks after I already locked up the first one. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, it was like, okay, we, I'm not supposed to close this one until like, like the end of October ish or like the middle of October or something like that. However, it was things going wrong with the lender over here, but this one was with the wholesale. So then they wound up just closing in on each other. Mm-hmm. And then the, and then the, the person that I, the, my lender on the, the first deal, right. he was telling me like, Hey, if you close on that other deal first, we'll give you a big discount on what you got to bring to the table. Mm. I come to find out in closing, he basically was wrong about that. Cause based on how the appraisal and the numbers came, it wasn't possible to do that. Right. Like they only give you a certain, certain percentage of loan to value or loan to cost of the property. Oh. Right. So I already was maxed out to my loan to value. So right. they weren't going to lower my down payment by anything. Right. So I was rushing the title company over here to get everything in so that I could close on that first to get a discount. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen that way. It was a lot that went into it. So basically I closed on this one, the second one, one day and the next one, the next day. So that I could basically hopefully take advantage of me paying less and it still didn't work out. Right. Dang. So wait, where are those properties at? Uh, Philly, Philadelphia. Okay. So what's your plan with them? Uh, so right now, uh, they're both going through full gut rehabs. Uh, so that's when you kind of demo and then you pretty much, you demo the property all the way brick to brick. Then you basically, you know, reload the floors, lay new floors, frame everything, frame new rooms, put every new plumbing, new HVAC, new electric in, close the walls up, paint, put the floors down, do the bathrooms, every, you do everything brand new. Uh, so they're both in the process of being rehab at this moment. Uh-huh. Um, one of them is at the, we probably are almost done plumbing and then we're pretty much going on to HVAC and electric. Mm-hmm. And then my other property is, is full demo. The floors are down level. Uh, but I had some, I had, some, I had a tree that actually grew into the basement of my property. Holy um, so Holy. basically I had, that was the whole process. Um, and then I also had to get a permit for that. So it was a lot that was going on. Uh-huh. Um, so they're in the process of like cutting down that wall that the tree was against to then reframe it up to secure it. Then they got to take the stump of the tree out of that basement wall. Right. To then, and then they got to like basically do a new cement wall to, to resecure that foundation down there. So it's a lot going on for that right. other one. But that should be all done within the next week. Like they should be done framing everything within the next week or so. Okay. So if you don't mind me asking, how much are you in for the first property? The one that I did with the tree? Yeah. Uh right now. Let me think. With or without closing, like just rehab. With all of it, all of it, with closing and rehab. I'm in at this very moment. I'm probably in. I'm probably in like I'm probably in like seventy seventy eight thousand. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. All in. And I've got a lot more to go. Right. So once once both of them are rehabbed, are you just gonna are you gonna Airbnb it, put some tenants in? No, I'm gonna so so then I'm gonna refinance the properties and I'm gonna mm-hmm. rent them. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm gonna refinance them so I can pay back my original construction loan. Right. And then I'm gonna rent them out so that they could pay that back and then also give me money. Mm. Mm. So where'd you learn where'd you learn your real estate knowledge? Uh, so I don't know if you follow this guy, but it's, his name is Newt the Entrepreneur. Um, so he's on Instagram, pretty big guy, pretty big, pretty big uh, on Instagram. Um, and he told me everything, you know what I mean? He told me everything I know. Every, I'm a quick learner. I got common sense. I've always been good with numbers. Right. But he's taught me the psychology and everything about it. Um, and I kind of ran with it from there. So, right. but I, every, like everything I know about it, he taught me um, from where to like how to look for deals, how to compare, how to how to know what numbers you're going to get, how to know which which you're going to actually need to spend, mm-hmm. uh, how much you actually are allotted for a budget, everything, how to find contractors. He told me everything. So, yeah, I, I, I got lucky. Um, but he does offer, you know, mentorships and things of that sort for people that are looking to get into that. Right. But he, he did teach me everything I know, man. So, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I acknowledge that I couldn't, I would never be here by myself. And I think people that say they are, that's just not true. You know what I'm saying? Nobody does it by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get help from any kind of way, but you got to just make sure that, you know what I mean? You, you pay homage and you, you, you acknowledge that help and try to add value back to them. Right. So, you know, he taught me a lot. And right now, you know, like he taught me a lot. He the reason why I even started my business. You know what I mean? And I provide my accounting. I provide accounting for his business. Mm-hmm. So I'm adding value to him. But even then, it still sometimes feels like it's lopsided. Just lopsided because, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, eventually, you know, at once I get more on my feet, you know, it's, just, it's new to me. So a lot of it's a lot of money out right now. So it's like, oh. But I, I understand the process. I understand that it's going to come back and rebuttal. Mm-hmm. But I think once I get on my feet and really can have a, a little bit more clear of a head, I do plan to, like, give back, man. Like, I got to get, I gotta pay him back. You know what I mean? I got to get – I got to bring something to him that's like, ah, you know what I mean? So, right, right. You know, but, you know, I do feel – sometimes I feel like, you know, I don't want say it's lopsided. Like, it's not one-sided. But sometimes I do feel like, man, it's like – Bro, and gave me so much, and yeah, I was trying to get him how, back. How can I repay him? You know what I mean. But I did save him. A, I did save him a lot of money in Texas last year. So. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean. Like right. that's cool. But you know, you know, it, that's just one of the things that you know you gotta like. I feel like you always gotta acknowledge. Always gotta acknowledge who helped you out, man. Always gotta acknowledge who got you to where you are. And it's okay to like. It's okay to not. And I want to say this because I feel like this is like a big thing in our generation now. But it's okay to not be the man. It's okay right. to not be like the number one. You know what I mean? I don't even like, and you don't know what demons they go through or what right. what what things they go through when they're in those positions. I don't want to be the biggest guy. I just want to be. I just want to be good for myself and my family. Mm-hmm. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Most of the richest people in this world, we don't know. Mm-hmm. You understand? But or well, I don't even say rich. Most of the wealthy people in this world, we don't know. But then you got famous people. Right. You know what I mean? I always used to say I'd rather be wealthy than famous. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I, bro, I appreciate my bro. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. I, I, he the man. You know what I'm saying? I don't even try to be that. I don't, I don't envy it. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't feel no type of way. I acknowledge that. I give him his props. And then it's like, I just hope to be able to pay him back. Right. That's, that's how I feel. You know what I mean? So that's all that is. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, uh, man, so you got a lot going on. You got the, you got the life insurance, you got the accounting, you got the real estate, yep. all of that. So how do you manage your day to day? How do you manage your day to day? Honestly, man, I don't even know. <laughs> to be honest, like I really don't know. You know, uh, I'm I'm really in the process of like I need to hire. Like I'm in a I'm in the mindset like I'm gonna hire an assistant in probably February or March. Mm-hmm. Like once I finish these two projects, like I'm gonna hire an assistant. Right. Like that's like when I get the money from that, I'm gonna clear my debts and then I'm gonna hire an assistant. Mm-hmm. That's literally my goal. Like, I'm going to hire an executive assistant. I already know who it is. I already talked to her about it. I know her resume. It's not like some, it's not potential. She's going to have a master's degree. But she already does it. I'm going to hire her. Yes. So that's like my first step. Like, my next step is to really hire an assistant that can really handle, you know, my schedule. Let me know what's going on. Keep me on task. Keep me where I need to be. You know what I mean? Because I'll set schedule meetings and then I forget. Right. You know, I'll be I'll be running late a lot. Like it's not it's just regular stuff, just doing it by yourself. So yeah, exactly. You know, it is hard to manage it all, but I do do it. But I also realize that, like they say, you got like you 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 get whatever you focused on. And right now, I'm focused on my properties, mm-hmm. and so because I'm focused on my properties, I kind of shun everything else. Right. Right. So now it's like I'm focused on my properties, but I kind of I got to get back into. I got to get back into accounting mode too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like tax season is around the corner. I got to make sure that I get my clients kind of squared away for the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So all of those things play a factor, but you know, I, 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 I man, I try to manage as best as I can. Um, and I understand that I have to hire. It's just that right now I'm allocating everything to, mm-hmm. to the real estate. So, um, but it also just means, you know, make more money, make more money. Yeah. yeah. More money, more cash flow. That's all it is. Right. No, that's what I feel like because I'm I'm juggling a bunch of different projects that I've brought on to myself. So it's obviously like a blessing. And I just always have to ask different people that I know that are doing big things. Hey, how you how you manage your stuff just so I can take little bits and nuggets that they got uh, and then find out what works for me. So. Man, so you got a lot going on. You got a lot going on. Do you ever get the feeling of like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I know I'm doing something, but what am I doing? Not anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was kind of in that phase of where taxis ended and I was no longer getting a check and then I didn't have any property, you know what I mean? And clientele was slow. Yes. I was very much like, damn, what the fuck am I doing? Did I make a mistake? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I feel like the walls are crashing. Mm-hmm. But it was like every time it was like. OK. But it was like every time uh, every time I would get in a position, you know, something would come through or yeah. I would just figure it out. I always been a figure it out type of guy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's always been me. 
You know what I mean? My mom always figured it out. Right. So because my mom always figured it out, I always figured it out. Right. You know what I mean? So I always been independent. You know, I kind of tried to take myself uh, off of my mom once I was like 14. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like most of the things that I wanted and kind of needed, and my mom always obviously fed me and gave me a roof. But when it came to like clothes and all that extra stuff, I tried to do that on my own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like I always figured it out. I always been good with like creative finance and figuring things out. And that's just what I do now. So I'm just uh, it's creative finance and bro, it's just bigger. It's just bigger numbers. Um, it's just bigger numbers, but it's like I'm just in a weird place because I just started. Right. But it's like come a year from now, like actually we should probably do another one. Ben, come no, a- you were for sure coming yeah. back. Oh yeah. Come come a year from now, like I'm gonna be in a whole different place because I'm gonna have a big cushion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's going to be a little bit different because now everything's just going to be working for me. Right now, I'm out of my own. You know what I'm saying? I'm out of my right. own pocket for everything. Right. But until, but not necessarily because I use credit, but I'm saying like it was a lot up front now. Mm-hmm. But as I'm in the game more, then it becomes lower and lower and lower and I can do right. more. And I can scale more. I so, like yeah. Yeah. 100% you're coming back on. On me, yeah. you're coming back on. So, wait, I got a, I got a question for you. Um. What's the most, cause you say you, you're a creative finance type of guy. And I'm, I was the same way coming up. Like, like you said, my mom would provide the sim, the simple things for me. But when I, when it was more of the luxury things, when I wanted sneaks or a hoodie or something, I try to figure it out myself. So what was the most creative way that you could remember that you made some bread? Bro, I used to, and I used to always, I used to call my family and ask them, could I clean their house? Okay. I used to, my mom used to give me $5 a day for lunch. Uh-huh. Some days I wouldn't eat or I would, I would, I would get, I would get other people's free lunch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At school, I would eat their free lunch just to get something in my stomach. And then I would save my money so I could go ahead and get something else or I can go get something, you know, do something else. Then I would work for family on the weekends to try to make some money because my mom didn't want me to work. My mom didn't let me work till I was in, and in, in a senior in high school, yeah. she kept saying school was your job. So I never worked unless it was the summertime. So right. during the year, it was create. I always had to be creative. I always had to either save, work for somebody in the family to make some money. Right. You know what I mean? That was that was the that's what I did. You know what I mean? I I that's how I hustled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to college, you know, I always found a job that that was on campus that I didn't really have to do much that I would just kind of collect a, a check right? and, you know, go from there. So that's pretty much it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's solid. That's solid. I always love hearing those types of stories just cause I was the same way I always have been. And, you know, it, it you can tell by, by people's childhood stories, who's going to be an entrepreneur, who's going to yeah. be, I guess no surprise hearing that story and then seeing what you're doing. You feel me? Yep. Um, all right. So I got a few more questions for you. So then we can wrap up. Uh, what What are some of the biggest struggles that you've ran into throughout the entrepreneurial journey? Uh, trying to make money. That's really it. I mean, it's just money, bro. It's just money and timing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the money just always comes at the weirdest time. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's that was me. I feel like the biggest struggle. You know what I mean? You don't get a check anymore. Right. So that's always the biggest struggle. Yeah, no, I feel that. The timing, the timing is so fast. So you'd be like, dang, I've been putting in this work. When is it going to come in? When is it going to come in? It's not going to come in. Boom. And then all of a sudden, a lump sum just hits you out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So then, okay, my last question for you, my last question for you is you have two options, two options to answer. Either what's your favorite quote that you live by or what's the last life lesson that you've learned? Yeah, this one's always a thinker. My people are always thinking on this one. I think I don't live by a quote, but I live by a verse. All right, bet. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Mm. So anytime I feel frazzled, I just be still. And then I just, I just figure, let it figure itself out. Right. That's powerful. I yeah. like that. That's, that's powerful. Hold on. That, no, that verse is the title of the pot right there. Yep. That's the title of the pot right there. Be still. That is hard. That's hard. Bet, bro. I appreciate this for real. This is awesome. No problem, Brody. I, uh, I gotta, so my, my bride is they about to leave me. So, uh, we definitely got to do this again. You know what I'm saying? Even if you want to get back on like tomorrow or something and finish, you know what I'm saying? I don't mind that. Uh, I don't want to rush you off. No, no, no. We were about to wrap up. This was perfect. We for sure got to get you back on in like a few months just so we can see what you're doing, see what you're doing. But everybody that tuned in, I appreciate you. Make sure you like, subscribe. Real quick, how can they tap in with you? Uh, Follow me on Instagram. It's at one doc run. That's the number one D-O-C-R-O-N. One doc run. Yes, sir. I'm going to put it in the description. I love y'all. Thank you, Ron. And like my grandma said, keep going, keep going. Peace. Peace.